Now the weather may be getting a bit colder, but one of my favorite things about that cooler temperature is the idea that it means I'm going to have to be inside just a little more often than I thought I would. And while that might not always be the desire, it's oftentimes one of the most comfortable places I can find for refuge. A nice blanket, my snoring dogs on the couch beside me, the heater roaring, sometimes a fireplace, and a stack of great books, something to dive into. Something I'm looking forward to doing with you today. As part of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, where each and every week I dive into my top five picks as published by DC Comics. I could talk more about the cold weather, snuggling up warm, or trying to stay cozy. Or we could just dive right in. I'm going to start things off with Inferior 5. Issue number three. This is a great six-issue miniseries that brings together a really fun story and intertwines it with a mystery. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love a great mystery. There's something about the way it wraps you up and pulls you in. And this mystery, for me, is really enjoyable because it's told through the eyes of four children. At some point, there is always a fifth, but that fifth, usually, means that one of them will have to disappear. So far, it's been the newest arrival, the newest five, who keeps disappearing, only to be replaced by the next. And as our narrator in this story tries to explain, it's really hard to get attached, and, well, they're not trying to do that. However, in this great story, with plot and, as referenced, pencils by Keith Giffen, with plot and script by Jeff Lemire, and Michelle Delecki providing the inks, Hi-Fi providing the colors, Rob Lay with the letters, and the combination of Giffen, Delecki, and Hi-Fi producing this really great cover that looks like a twisted, somewhat furry version of a star. And I don't know what it is about the furry version of the star that just sort of makes me smile a little bit. It gives that seriousness that Starro has always been accredited, that moment in Brave and the Bull when he made his first appearance as Starro the Conqueror. But by adding this fuzzy twist, a new layer is provided. And that's also something that I found with the introduction of a newer character. Now, the story so far has been really great in that it is focused on the missing children, what happens, what the environment's like. But the introduction of a new face, one that's familiar and yet also not as well known to me as I might enjoy, is that of a furry creature who I first met during his time with Justice League Europe and Justice League International. Thankfully, it's a little easier to hint who he is based on the cover, which features him staring up at Starro. But I'm not going to give away the full spoiler yet. What I will say is, if you've been missing a little bit of fur, 
a little bit of the down under and hoping for it to at some point make an appearance well inferior five number three is really the book you've been waiting for what are the other elements of the mystery pieces clues are slowly revealing themselves the dominators are involved this has something to do with the after effects of the invasion and the consequences that came from it most importantly that all of the children who are part of this what appears to be experiment lost one parent during the invasion and now they're all alone here part of this testing ground and potentially in great danger unless they can uncover the clues we also have two other additional characters who are finally introduced Teresa and Vance you're going to want to get to know them simply because they clearly don't like each other but the fun thing about those stories is will it stay that way or is there a chance something might change now just to make this a little bit more fun there's also been a backstory about the peacemaker a journey that it's not quite clear he's able or ready to attempt let alone undertake and yet he has and there's this great discovery that comes with it in the midst of an unexpected conflict I'm only going to say the vision of peace and leave it at that great storytelling great art great atmosphere great pacing really hard to find anything wrong with inferior five issue number three which is why I'm more than happy to give it a solid five out of five that snoring contented sound of my french bulldog bruno lets you know that he is clearly at peace with my choice and my answer and with that let's go ahead and move into my second choice for this week now as i mentioned one of the things i find to be a bit of a respite when it's colder outside is the opportunity to come inside, get out of the cold, bundle up, stay warm. And with that, the stories that I dive into are a place for me to escape, to leave behind the cold, to embrace the warmth, and to lose myself in the fuzziness of imagination. If that's ever something you've wanted to do or have done and enjoyed, Doom Patrol Way of the Worlds, issue number five, is a book you're really going to enjoy it's for all those reasons that i did in a story titled ask doom patrol a story by becky cluden and michael conrad with art and cover by becky cluden color by tamara bonavillan and letters by simon bowman we get the chance to join a character whose last name is clark but we never really get his first name his love of Doom Patrol is perhaps unmatched, and clearly in his mind, there is no greater fan, which is why the opportunity to tumble into the world of Doom Patrol is such a magical and wonderful experience, not only for him, but for us as readers, as fans. Clearly, Clark is a longtime fan, one who is able to reference Doom Patrol, the comic book he's fallen into with great regularity and an almost encyclopedic understanding let's try that again 
with great clarity and an almost encyclopedic understanding. His appearance isn't or does not go unnoticed. First, the character of Dorothy, someone from Robot Man's past who caused a great deal of harm, as well as Cliff Steele himself, a.k.a. Robot Man. When Cliff learns that Clark has arrived, he also realizes that Clark has come to recognize that Dorothy is not who she appears to be. In fact, she's a scissor man, which leads to a fight. And at one moment, Clark must make a choice because his consequences have led to this choice. And in order to make things right, he has to either A, choose what he wants, or B, do what he knows he needs to do, even though the risk is potentially never being able to come back to this wonderful world he so innocently and magically stumbled into. The thing about a hero is that they rarely get to do what they want, and not always do they get the chance to receive a reward for doing the thing they're supposed to do. In this case, Clark does what he's supposed to do, and he's not sure how it is that it was actually worth it for him. He's been running away from bullies. He hates his school. His life would be much better if it could be lived within the stories and pages of a Doom Patrol comic. However, he's back in the real world, and he's not sure if he made the right choice. Did he? I'll give you a surprise. The final page lets you know just what Doom Patrol comic creators and all of us fans believe about Clark. Whether you agree or disagree is something we'll have to chat about whenever you tag me on all of those social media platforms I always talk about at the end. That was my second choice, Doom Patrol, Way to the World, issue number five. A book I am proud, pleased, and happy to give. A solid 5 out of 5. Amazing story, great art, and something that I think old and new fans can really enjoy. We're going to take a quick break, bring up those oh-so-amazing ads, informing you about all the great things going on here at DC Comics News, and letting you know just how you can be a part of it. After those ads, I'll be back with my third, fourth, and fifth choices, and if we're lucky, a few more snoring snarbles from my good buddy, Mr. Bruno. Thanks for hanging out. Be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC, movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um... Can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. 
Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC. N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I Am The Night. Now, kicking off my third choice, and thank you again for coming back after that short ad break. I have no doubt it was informative. My hope is it's entertaining, and the only way I'm going to know is if you let me know. As I said, at the end of this episode, I'll give you all those great social media channels where you can go ahead and reach out and do that. Until then, I'll just have to be patient. But you don't have to be patient waiting for choices number three, four, and five of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm about to dive into my third pick for this week. Again, episode number 32. And my third choice is Batman number 82. We are now in part eight of City of Bane. After this, there's only three remaining until Tom King's run comes to its conclusion. And we see just how his love letter to Batman will come to a close. In this chapter, Batman and Catwoman have begun making their move. They've returned to Gotham, faced their foes, and brought the fight to Bane. The fight itself has been over who is Gotham, who fights for Gotham. In order to give this challenge or question all of the do or severity it requires Bane says no masks and removes his and Bruce does the same and then Bruce says no help removes his cape he removes his utility belt he pulls off his top part of his uniform so he's bare chested and Bane removes all of his Venom attachments, and the two fight. But Catwoman's there too. And as far as she's concerned, this is her fight also. Now, Batman said no help. But he certainly won't argue when Catwoman decides that she also wants to make her claim. At least for the right to fight for Gotham. As equal as Batman's. And now, we've got a really interesting story. One that, of course, has an unknown variable in that of 
Thomas Wayne. Now, where did Thomas Wayne come from? Why does he seem so familiar? Great questions that can be pointed to at some other time. What matters now is that he's here. He's been here, and he's been Bane's partner, taking away Gotham from the son he claims to love and wishes to reunite with their dead mother. He's frustrated by the choices his son has made, and when he arrives to see what has come of this conflict between Bane, Catwoman, and Batman, he decides to make his variable known. And whatever your expectations were reading the story, his decision changes everything. With only three issues left, the only question now is, how will it all come to a close? We're getting closer, the story is growing more intense, and the characters are being pushed to potentially their furthest points. Oh, aware that you're coming to an end and knowing what's needed to maintain the tension and weight and gravity, especially over these remaining issues as we move into the holidays and then back out of them and into the new year. It's a great talent, and it's clearly not a singular effort. In this story, Tom King provides an amazing chapter, and it's supported by great artists from Mikkel Janin doing the art, Jordi Belair providing the colors, Clayton Cowles on the letters, and David Finch and Alex Sinclair putting up an original cover with Travis Charest providing the variant film. Sometimes you get everything you want in one package. Batman number 82 is just that kind of package. If it's what you've been looking for to put under your tree, guess what? It's here now. Open it up, enjoy the read, and maybe if you're lucky, and the holiday giving spirits are kind, issue number 83 is what you'll find underneath that Christmas tree next month. This book was a solid 5 out of 5 for me. A happy way to charge ahead after our ad break and into our final two choices of this episode. Now, for my fourth choice, I'm more than happy to continue talking about a book I've really been enjoying and, in some ways, I hope never comes to a conclusion. I'm referring to Lois Lane, Issue number five, part five of Enemy of the People, a great story by Greg Rucka, with art and cover by Mike Perkins. Gabe Eltave, providing the colors, Simon Bourne with the letters, and Mirka Andolfo with the variant cover. Sometimes, when I'm in the middle of talking about one of these, it's like my tongue, my lips, and my teeth all get tangled all over each other. Thanks for your patience while I do a little untangling and do my best then to dive into this story and help untangle the web, a mystery that Lois maybe stumbled into, maybe dove right into, but either way has led to the involvement of the question as portrayed by Renee Montoya and whose help provides some invaluable answers 
for Lois. Not all the answers are forthcoming, and at some point, question has to rely on dirtier tactics. She seems up for the job, and if you're not sure if that's true, you can just ask the Mr. Blake that she is in the midst of interrogating during this issue, and who, at the end of it, is still working on getting some answers. With her patience running out, it's only a matter of time to see before we see just what Renee Montoya as the question is capable of. In addition to this story, we have the ongoing journey by Lois to understand exactly why there was an assassination why there was an assassination attempt when she chose to meet with a source. And while trying to gather more information outside our nation's capital, she stands near a very famous war memorial, and in doing so, gets to break down the difference between ideas like breakdown, background, the deep background, or all of the other terms that journalists often use when they have a source and have to be discreet with disclosing the information the source provided and not putting their source at jeopardy. It's a challenging position for anyone to be in, and the person providing this information struggles with whether or not what they're doing by giving the information to Lois is the right thing to do. And there's a great moment when Lois sees two statues and points to one saying that she finds it incredibly moving, but that many people take the wrong message from it. She says that people will often look at it and say they did what they had to do, but in Lois's mind, that's not it. As far as she's concerned, it's not what they had to do. They didn't have to do it at all, but they did it anyway. In the moment, they made a choice, and once they made it, they decided that that was all there was to it. Having made the choice, now the only question was following through. It leads to the great resolution of Lois's source saying, there's a memo, something that explains everything Lois believes was happening, and in doing so, provides an official directive that can help support her story. That money is being used by corporations to buy influence and support the development of private for-profit prisons to house immigrants and other undesirables within the country. There's also a great scene where Perry is treating Clark Kent exactly the way you expect Clark Kent to be treated. And it reminds me again of just how masterful Clark is when he's hiding the identity of Superman. This is another great example and the way he uses Lois to build that effect with the unknowing support. Perry White is a really wonderful moment and one that shows that whatever you're looking for in this story, action, intrigue, mystery, and a little bit of humor you're guaranteed to find. Something amazing when you have a great team telling a great story. Lois Lane number five is a perfect 
5 out of 5 in my book. If you find any flaws, stick around. There's all sorts of ways to let me know. And for that fifth and final choice, it's my pleasure to talk to you today about Legion of Superheroes number one. Now, there was a Legion of Superheroes Millennium issues number one and two, but those were tie-ins breaking away from the main books, providing a crossover arc that then led Superboy to the Legion of Superheroes and to this first issue where he gets a chance to meet the team. This is a really fun moment for me. Brian Michael Bendis offering up um, his signatory script with pencils by Ryan Sook and Ryan Sook providing inks in collaboration with Wade Von Grauberger. I believe that's actually Wade Von Grauberger sometimes. As I said, I trip over my own words. Jordi Belleri provides the colors with Dave Sharp on the letters, Ryan Sook providing the cover, and Ryan Sook, Jim Chung, and Romulo Fajardo Jr. providing more than one variant cover. I picked up two when I was at the comic shop the other day. It was a lot of fun for me, and I'm proud of both. They're gorgeous works of art. If you can narrow it down to just one, I'd be curious which one you pick. Sometimes that's all you can afford. I've been in that situation. This time, well, I went for both, and I couldn't be happier or prouder. There's been a long-running story building up to this first issue. And as fun as it might be to dive right into that, well, that's not always the way stories begin. In fact, this story begins on Planet Gotham in the Bloodhaven sewer system, where one of our members of the Legion of Superheroes was doing something that could be considered unheroic. However, he's not alone, and soon to be joined by Wildfire, Karate Kid, and a few other friends. The ability to capture a valuable artifact reveals a piece from the past that even Superboy when he later meets this small team after their adventures, and they join the entire crew of the Legion of Superheroes who are here to welcome Superboy. They have this great orientation plan to prepare him for what's around, but somewhere around the 10th or 12th page, young Jonathan is already taken to the skies learning that he's not exactly in a bubble or bottle city, but that he's clearly on an earth very different from the one that he just left. A future about survival, resilience, and the ability of the United Planets to work together to keep one of their own from falling away. In the process, we also get to see that, well... When Starlad decided he wanted to bring home that artifact, the people he took it from weren't going to let go quite so easily. A panel featuring all the Legion viewing an invasion of the Charas, and the understanding by some that Superman, Superboy, is not well prepared for this because he missed orientation, and just like everything else, 
he's going to have a lot of questions. That's not going to stop the Horas, who are charging directly at him. Nor is it going to stop those on the United Planets homeworld. Those who are learning that the son of the, as he's called, original Superman, is now here. Something that the Madam on her president is taking into consideration and well aware of the fact that this figure is responsible for potentially not only a theft that they weren't aware of, but also how they've stumbled into a galactic escapade. Where will we end things up? Where will we continue? I'm hoping that it'll be issue number two. Then again, just because that's where we want the story to go, doesn't mean that's always where it does go. I was proud to give this first issue of Legion of Superheroes a really clean 5 out of 5. A great mix of story, art, collaboration, teamwork, resulting in a really fun issue about a group of characters I'm more than happy to continue talking about each year with you on the Spinner Rack. That means, with that book, my five choices for this week are done, and this episode must come to a close. Now, of course, before we do disappear into that sweet night and allow the warm glow of the heater, the fireplace, the soft, bright colors of comic books to lull us into a dreamlike state, or even just another fuzzy furry memory, allow me to point out a few things you might be able to take advantage of. For starters, if you enjoyed this or any of the episodes from the DC Comics News podcast that you've heard today, or even in the past, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. All you have to do is head on over if you haven't, and subscribe to the podcast, and then rate and review. I think we're worth five stars, but your opinion is what really matters. If you agree, disagree, or have a comment about anything I said here on the Spinner Rack, you can let me know on many, multiple social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube are at your disposal. All you have to do is add that at symbol, you know, the A with that kind of circle around it, followed by DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C. O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Tag that with your comment, question, feedback, or other thoughts. And if you want, you can even put my name in there, Seth Singleton, to let me know that question's going to me. Not directed at me, but more at the Spinner Rack. Use the hashtag Spinner Rack, or use your own social media savvy to get your message in front of my eyes, to my ears, or in some other way, to get my attention. I'm also going to encourage you, if you haven't, if you don't, if you aren't, to check out the DC Comics News podcast each and every week right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. It's a roundtable discussion, sometimes with myself, but always with comic book fans, enthusiasts, writers, and storytellers. We're a great team. 
There's usually great stories, and I think we always have great conversation. You can catch that each and every week. And if you don't want to miss an episode, all you have to do is subscribe, and you're guaranteed. I'll also let you know that we have a new series just breaking out. The I Am the Night, Batman the Animated Series, episode by episode breakdown by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray, whose voice you will hear if you haven't already heard on the DC Comics News podcast and his stories, his understanding of this seminal work is something not to be missed. Again, to catch I Am the Night, the DC Comics News podcast, or the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, all you have to do is subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. That's going to do it for me. I'm trying to stay warm, stay cozy, and keep that snoring French bulldog from getting into any more trouble this morning. However, one of my benefits, great stack of comics, just waiting for me to read. If I can leave you with any message before I go, it's this always helpful reminder. Read more comics. This has been the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, and I've been your host, Seth Singleton, here on episode number 32. Look forward to joining you next week for episode number 33 and all the great stories it will contain. Until then. <laughs>